Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to New York's longest-running sports call-in show, one-on-one. I'm Chris Persiain, and here with Alex Wolz, joined today by a very special guest who is here to talk to us about the New York Giants, and specifically about Mr. Eli Manning, who has his name in the news this week for a lot of good reasons. Tom Rock is here. He's been covering sports for Newsday since 1996. He's been on the Giants' beat since 2008. And he wrote a book about the Giants, Miracle Moments in New York Giants Football History, Best Plays, Games, and Records. It came out in 2019. Tom, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you? Thanks, guys. I'm, I'm doing really well. Unfortunately, there haven't been a lot of memorable plays, games, and moments in Giants history since, since that book came out. But, uh, you know, hey, maybe this weekend will we'll provide something. Man, I, I thought that game against uh, Washington would be, you know, they always be Washington. They didn't beat Washington. So this season has started off uh, a little bit interestingly, and that's what I wanted to get right into in our first question for you, which is uh, a callback to Joe Judge's introductory press conference. I remember being in high school in my history class, not paying attention, hiding an, an, an AirPod so I could listen to Joe Judge because I was so excited. One of the points he hammered home, and I just brought this up on our football podcast, NFL Friday, is that he um, he was going to deliver on the Giants not beating themselves. The Giants were not going to beat themselves. They were going to be an organized, disciplined team who were not going – if they lost a game, it was going to be because the other team outplayed them. This season, we've seen a fair share of struggles with penalties and things of the sort. Um, do you see this as an indictment on, on Judge or your thoughts on Judge so far throughout his tenure and just delivering on those promises? Well, indictment's a pretty strong word, but I will say that that was a very that that game against Washington was the antithesis of what Joe Judge wants this wants this team to be, and you know he always talks about um, you know you have to learn how to not lose before you can learn how to win, and the Giants lost that game. I mean there was there was so many opportunities for them to to take control of it early on, and then obviously it comes down to listen. There's zero colon zero zero on the game clock, right? It says the watch the scoreboard says Giants 29, Washington football team 27. It's a win. It's in the books. And then the and but the flag comes out and they get to kick, re-kick that that field goal from five yards shorter. They make it and it's and it's a giants loss. It's it it was a you know, a devastating loss for a team that keeps finding new and creative ways to break the hearts of their fan base. And it was probably, like I said, the most anti-Joe Judge game that we've seen so far of the, what is it, 18 now that that he's coached. Yep. And, and you talk about the Giants now with that loss to Washington starting off 0-2 once again. Feels like a really familiar story. And I'm curious, uh, if we talk about the Washington game specifically, you get a good start from Daniel Jones, all things considered, and you still can't come out on top in that game. What do you think has kind of been the main reason why the Giants have struggled so much here in the early season, despite some things even going right in certain ways? Well, it's an inability to finish, really. I mean, they, they, they have a lot of long drives. They have a lot of good possessions, you know, 10 plays, 11 plays. Sometimes they don't get any points out of them. Sometimes they have to settle for field goals. You know, you look at, uh, you know, the, the, that game on, on last Thursday in particular, you know, they had a touchdown run, a long touchdown run by Jones called back by a penalty. They had to settle for a field goal. Uh, they had, a uh, you know, the play in the end zone that, that uh, Darius Slayton probably should have caught. 
uh, you know, could have been a little bit of a better throw, could have been a much better catch. Uh, and uh, that, you know, that's a touchdown that, that you take off the board. There was another drive early on that, that they, uh, they were in field goal range. They got pushed back and they, they wound up punting. And then you look at the end of the game after the, after the interception by James Bradbury, uh, they run the ball twice, throw an incompletion and have to settle for a field goal with, with two minutes left. So there were a lot of points that they left on the board. Now you can say that if you want to be a silver lining person, which it's hard for Giants fans to be these days, you can say that that was really a coming out party for this offense. You know, they, they put up a lot of yards. They had a lot of drives. They showed some creativity. They got Daniel Jones uh, running with the ball. They got, he, you know, he had a great game throwing the ball, I thought. Uh, you know, Saquon Barkley had a nice long run. There was a lot of things, a lot of positives to take away from that game. But they didn't find the end zone often enough, and they lost. So it's it's really, you know, it's hard to say that they they made all these strides and and still still came up short because that's that's the result that matters and and that's that's how this season is going to be judged you know last season was sort of a a feeling out process for Joe Judge and a search to figure out if Daniel Jones was going to be the quarterback for them moving forward this year this year is about winning and and so far they they obviously haven't I have kind of a two-pronged question related both to, to what you were talking about in regards to the play calling and the utilization of Jones. Uh, and then the Giants, I, I don't want to say infamous. I think it's too early for that. But their first round pick, Kadarius Toney. Um, in regards to Jason Garrett and the offense and, and the strategy behind the play calling, and also in regards to Kenny Galladay potentially needing limited reps this week, do you think uh, the staff continues to go with CJ Board, or do you think we finally start to see Tony get some opportunity? And and parallel with that is, do you think that if Tony were to get this opportunity, perhaps it might be the the jolt that the offense needs, that inspiration to get some more creative play calling going, or is it going to be curls and dives? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'll say this about Kadarius Tony: I do think he's going to be utilized a lot more in this game. Um, I don't think it's going to be because of anything that Kenny Galladay does. I mean, they are just such different weapons. I mean, they almost play different positions, uh, you know, when, when you look at, at what they can do on the field. So, you know, it's not like, you know, oh, Kenny Galladay is our wide receiver number one and, and Kadarius is, is, you know, behind him on the depth chart. So we just, it's just the next man up. It's, it's just not that simple. Uh, you know, so while Kadarius, uh, well, Kenny, I, I get my case confused. <laughs> well, Kenny is, uh, uh, you know, going to be limited and, and probably not play the whole game. And, and that was something that the wide receivers coach talked about today uh, was, was uh, he needs to probably play him a few less snaps during the game just to have him fresher because he missed so much of, of the preseason. I don't, I don't think that that's, that necessarily means Kadarius steps in, you know, CJ board, maybe Slayton a little bit more. Uh, it could mean that um, Sterling Shepard plays a little bit more on the outside, which I, I think would be a mistake because he's, he's doing so well uh, playing, playing from that slot position. So uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he leads the league in receptions right now, which is, uh, you know, pretty, pretty impressive. I know it's only two weeks, but uh, still, you know, it's a pretty pretty good group that he that he's in, and and certainly a good start to a season for him after what was probably his best preseason of his career. Uh, so, yes, yeah, just just to get back to the uh, the original question about 
Kadarius. Um, you know, I, listen, I like the kid. I, I think he's edgy. I think he's, I think he brings a lot to this team uh, personality wise. I think he's a fighter. Uh, you know, I, I think he's got some uh, personality that the, that the Giants probably need a little bit more of the spark, the, you know, that kind of energy. Uh, you know, he's, he's got to be a little bit more careful on social media, but we probably all do. Uh, and, and he's, uh, you know, but, but th that doesn't seem to bother him. It doesn't ruffle him. You know, he's, he, yeah, the other day he talked about there, you know, the elephants in the room that he's, um, uh, you know, with, with the, with the uh, posts he made on Instagram that seemed to express some displeasure with his, in his role with the giants and calling some of the reporters clowns, you know, listen, some of us are clowns, you know, there's, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to deny that, you know, I've, I've done some clownish things in the past. Uh, but those are things that, that go away the second he makes one good juke, the second he takes a punt and returns it for 30 yards or, or uh, you know, takes a, takes a quick swing pass and makes, makes a tackler a miss and, and, and gets down the field for a first down. So uh, I'm not too worried about Kadarius Toney uh, living up to the hype. You know, he was, he was going to be a raw wide receiver anyway coming in. Uh, you know, eventually he's going to – I think by the end of the year we're going to look back on this and say – uh, you know, it, it was kind of silly, all the things we were talking about with him back in August and September. And you, you wrote a, a recent article about how Kadarius Tony is like the guy who needs a big play more than anybody else, and that that's going to be the thing to kind of cure a lot of these conversations. So we'll see what happens on, on the wide receiving front, but I'm curious to ask you about the running front because you also wrote a really interesting story the other day about how Daniel Jones at this point has been a more effective runner on the ground than Saquon Barkley, which is just fascinating if you were to have said that two, three years ago. And I'm just curious for you, what you've made of Barkley so far this season, just those 83 yards on the ground through two games and half of that coming on one carry alone. And, and there's been a lot of people, at least in our circles here in New York, talking about you know questions about his consistency, about his running style, about his health. Is he worth the number two pick? Going all these different lengths after just two games. And I'm curious what your feelings are on Barkley and how he'll kind of transpire this season after what you've seen so far this season. He'd make a really good modern day major league baseball player. You know, a lot of a couple, a lot of home runs, a lot of strikeouts that, yeah. you know, and, and not a lot in between. So that's, that's kind of uh Saquon Barkley's uh, uh, place right now. Um, you know, the thing that best illustrates to me where Saquon Barkley is right now is, is you look at the end of the Washington game and, you know, they run the ball twice after that interception and, and get killed for being too conservative. And it wasn't too long ago that getting the ball in the hands of Saquon Barkley twice inside the 20 yard line would have been the go-to move, you know, that a, a coach would have been killed for not get, getting Saquon more involved in, the, in that situation. So, uh, you know, the fact that, that Saquon, giving it to Saquon is now considered, uh, you know, throwing away downs is, is, is really amazing. Um, is he ever going to be the player he was when he was the rookie of the year? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Is he, is he going to be better than he has been the first two weeks? I'm, I'm pretty confident that that's the case. Yeah. He's going to, you know, he's going to, he's going to get back to a level that, that is, uh, you know, starting running back uh, caliber in, in this, in this league. Uh, you know, I don't think he's ever going to lead, lead the league in rushing. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to, uh, you know, have 90 plus catches like he did as a rookie, but I think he's going to be a, a really good running back and, and, you know, teams need, need players like that. And, you know, he's always going to have that danger of the home run ball. And, and that's going to be uh, something that, that you just kind of wait and, and hope, hope comes at the right time for him. But uh, yeah, you know, he's coming back from an ACL injury that is, 
that was more than an ACL. I mean, he had he had a lot of damage done to his knee last year. Several tears. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he is not uh, you know, he's not he's not fully back. He played two games within within five days. Uh his first games. He's he's had a lot of rest now. My guess is that, you know, like Kadarius Tony, you know, pretty soon we're gonna start to uh put put away those uh uh stories of of Saquon Barkley off the field, start talking about what he's doing on the field. And uh, my guess is that while it's fun to say right now that Daniel Jones leads the league, leads the team in rushing, uh, you know, by the, by the end, it's going to be Saquon Barkley at the top of that list. Need a, a 140 breakout game this week so he can get, get closer to the top of those rankings. Right. I have one final question about this current Giants team before we shift our focus a little bit back in time and, and reminisce um, in regards to the team's philosophy um, about how far they're willing to go to be competitive this year. For example, Shane Lemieux, um, if he has a shot to return in the middle of the season, you know, he could have gotten surgery at the start of the year and returned halfway through the year, but he, he played through it. And um, I'm curious about as the trade deadline begins to potentially loom above us, like the news monster that it is. Um, what do you think the team's philosophy might be, not just in regards to the trade deadline, but in regards to this season going into the trade deadline, um, buying, selling, neither looking to just squeeze out every win? You know, do they do they see the Bears pick as sufficient cushion or? Well, I think it's going to depend a lot on on where a lot of teams are at, at that time as they get closer. And and I'm talking about the teams in the division. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think the Giants are going to com- be competing for a wild card spot, even though uh, you know there, there's a couple of those a couple of them out there, obviously in the NFC. Uh, you know, listen, their pathway to the to the postseason, which is where they want to be this year, is through the division. And and you know, if if the division is anything close to what it was last year, which was dismal and dysfunctional and, and downright awful uh, with where the giants were six and 10 at the end of the season and still had a chance to win it uh, a very good chance to win it. In fact, uh, you know, then, then I think they'll, they'll start to make a push for it. Uh, you know, if, if they're not, if they start to fade and the Cowboys run away with things, you know, I think they'll, they'll start to look to the, to the long term and, Joe Judge has that luxury of looking to the long term. I'm not sure the general manager Dave Gettleman does. You know, he's if if, if this doesn't if this season doesn't work out, my my sense is that uh, you know he's going to be swapped out for another another general manager, probably somebody that Joe Judge has worked with in in New England or or at some point along his his career uh, in college, going by all the hires he makes of people he's worked with on his, on his coaching staff. Uh, so, you know, it'll be an interesting dynamic. You know, you'll have, you'll have one guy who says we got to look for the future. And the other guy says, well, if we don't win now, I don't have a future. And, and that's going to, it's going to be very, very interesting to see, uh, you know, how that, how that plays out. John Mara is going to have to broker that in some way, I would think. And, and my guess is that it'll, it'll be in the, in the direction of the of the head coach who's who they think is going to stick around for a pretty long time yeah and then kind of on that note because of all those those storylines there's kind of a must-win game you could call it this weekend against the falcons a winnable game for the giants even this early in the season i feel like that's not an over over dramatization to say that and my last quick hitter on the current giants as well is just 
they're facing the Falcons this weekend. They've had a lot of trouble stopping tight ends this season, about to face a pretty darn good one in Kyle Pitts. I'm just curious what you expect from this game and what the Giants' chances are of winning it. Yeah, it, I always I always have trouble calling games this early must wins, but this is a mustn't lose game. I mean, if they, <laughs> if, they if they lose to the rebuilding Falcons here, you know, another 0-2 team, and, and they're legitimately in the conversation for worst team in the league. And, and certainly most disappointing. I mean, you know, you look at the Jaguars and the Jets and they have rookie quarterbacks and they're, they're rebuilding. The Giants were supposed to be, you know, competitive at least. And, and, and so far they, they haven't been, or assuming that they lose this game, they, they will not have been. Uh, so, uh, you know, yeah, this is a game that they, that they need to show up for. And, and, you know, last year, after they lost that heartbreaker to the Eagles, they were able to bounce back, and that kind of turned their, turned their season around uh, to the point where there was a lot of optimism towards the end. Hopefully this year, maybe they, maybe they get that, that gut punch out of the way and react to it the same way and, and go off on a tear again. Who knows? Uh, you know, on the other side of this Falcons game, there's, there's, not, you know, there's not a lot of winnable, winnable games. You get at the Saints, at, at Dallas. Uh, and then all of a sudden you start looking at those Monday night games against the, the Chiefs and the Bucks. You talk about uh, you talk about tight ends, man. I saw that Kelsey catch and run the other night. Uh, my first thought was that there's there's no way the Giants can stop that at any point on it, at any in any way, in any scheme with any players that they that they have. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, what Kyle Pitts does to them. How they react to that, how the how the defense comes out, that, that's been probably the most disappointing aspect of this team that we haven't really talked about. Uh, and, and uh, you know, and if they can get that that all important, uh, you know, vi- shot of vitamin W. Man, that would be great. Um, as a big blue fan myself, I am very not secretly rooting for that result. We wanted to finish up today with uh, just a, a look back into a period of the team that, that you had the honor of covering yourself. I mean, getting to see Eli Manning win at the highest level on the biggest stage against the greatest opponent probably possible. Um, you can just, it would, I would just love to hear you bask in, 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 in the glory that is Eli. I'm a big fan myself. Do you, do you think that um, this Monday night football adventure with Peyton will derail uh, a shot of him staying around the team as an advisor? This is my Homer question. Well, his role isn't really advisor. He's more like an ambassador for the team. You know, he does a lot of, a lot of glad handing with the uh, corporate sponsors and, and photo ops and, and, you know, ribbon cuttings and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, you know, he's not, you know, he's not in there to do uh, personnel moves and to advise on, uh, you know, what, what draft picks they should make. And, and he doesn't want to, you know, we, I spoke with him a couple of weeks ago and I asked him, you know, is there anything, you know, you'd, you'd like to do you in terms of personnel, would you, would you like to become a general manager or a team president or, or something like that? And he said, you know, I, I just don't, I, I don't want to sift through 60 college offensive linemen tapes to try to find the one guy who, who could play in the NFL. You know, that's, that's just not, not something he wants to invest his time in. So I think he's going to be more, he's going to be Mr. Giant, you know, he's, he's going to be, you know, what Frank Gifford was 
for the second half of his life. I think Eli Manning is going is going to be that. You know, wherever he goes, he's going to be he's going to tell the stories of his Super Bowl wins and and uh, you know the practical jokes that they played in, in in the locker room there all those years and and all the great moments and you know some people will bring up of course the the bad moments there was a lot of them towards the end and and he's going to shrug them off and say I, I choose not to remember them it's which is which is what he usually says when when I ask him about those uh, those those dour times uh, but uh, you know I I don't think that uh, I think he's always going to be associated with the Giants I think that that's you know, it's not going to be like Derek Jeter, who's now with the Marlins, or he or goes to another franchise, or, or or something like that. You know, when he when he said at the end, uh, when he, at his of his retirement ceremony, when he said, uh, you know, once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's it's only the Giants. I I think that was that was probably the most from the heart thing you've ever heard Eli Manning say. And the last question I wanted to ask on those notes that you said of the times you spoke with Manning or the conversations you've had with him, it's obviously been covering the team for over a decade now, witnessed the Super Bowl trophies. And was there a moment for you that, you know, that you had with him or something you remember in your coverage of him that really resonates with you as you look now as his name getting up in the ring of honor that kind of goes beyond just those stats, accolades or the trophies? Yeah, actually, it's, it's kind of a funny story. So uh, that year when he was benched for Geno Smith and, and it was a, you know, a very tumultuous week, obviously. And uh, the day that the decision came out, Gino spoke to reporters and Eli spoke to reporters. And uh, the next day I was in the locker room and I had a follow-up question for Gino that I, you know, I just didn't have a chance to ask him at the press conference the other day. And I, I went up to him and I said, I said, Hey, you know, can I, can I ask you a real quick question? And he said, man, I just spoke yesterday. And I, you know, in, in all the years I covered Eli Manning, he never blew me off. He never said, I, I don't have time for this. You know, he was always there. He was always available. And he always provided a, good, a great answer. And, and really, that's all, that's all a sports writer can ask for is, is you know, an, an honest response and, and availability. And, uh, you know, it was at that moment, I think, when, when Gino blew me off that, that I realized how special it was to be able to cover Eli Manning for all those years. That's great. I, you know, I've said I'm a big Eli fan. So that that's very Eli. I think, uh, I think taking that for granted is something that happened to me as well, just as someone who started watching sports when those Super Bowl runs occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, I was literally like basically born into this double ringed up Giants team led by this incredible love. I say this lovingly goof um, who is just this locker room leader. And, and uh, it was great to be able to pick your brain on your interactions with him. And, and of course, on, on the team in general, um, one last question. And that is in regards to this team this year, I need a, I'm going to put you on the spot, Tom, a one word answer that word is going to be a number and it's the number of wins that you project the New York giants to finish with. If you had a hundred dollar chip, you had to put down right now on a number. Seven, 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 seven. I would have liked to I have like said it. 10 in honor of Eli Manning, but uh, <laughs> I got to go with, I got I think, I think seven. I was, I was at eight in the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, I thought they would win one. I thought both of those, first two games were were winnable uh you know 
now that they they lost both um I think they're I think they're a team that's designed in Joe Judge's design to get better as the season goes on. Whether or not they can do it well enough to to get to the to that number of wins or or the number of wins, whatever it takes to win the division and get into the playoffs, I you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, but I think I think seven's a pretty good number. It's better than last year, right? Yes, sir. Tom, we can't thank you enough for your insight. Uh, it was great getting to speak to you again about Eli, about the team, and just such a pleasure to have you join us. For Chris Persian and for Alex Wolves, we want to thank you guys very much for listening to this interview and stay with us here on One on One as we get into the next segment.